and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dolman. Today, I am once again joined by John McLennan, Board of Supervisors Representative for the Roberts District. Welcome, Mr. McLennan. Thanks, Renee. Good to be back with you. Glad you could be here. I know this is a very busy time of the year for you at William & Mary. Have some students on their way back. We will be seeing freshmen coming in very shortly, and then everybody else gets back in, and we jump right into a new semester. It's amazing. The summer went really fast. It, it did, but it's, you know, it's wonderful to have the fall starting up, and you always have a very a good group of eager young people and kind of keeps you young uh, with the sense that uh, you're, you're dealing with people who have a lot of energy and a lot mm-hmm. of enthusiasm and a lot of idealism. Very good. We have mm-hmm. our next door neighbor will be going to William and Mary as a freshman and she's so excited. Well, that's so. great. We'll look yeah. forward to having her. Yay. We love to have Williamsburg, James City County yeah. folks in, at William and Mary and they can go away to school at uh, William and Mary. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what she is going to do. Mm-hmm. So we're excited for her. Her name is Michelle. I'll uh, look for her. So if you run into a Michelle that lives <laughs> next door to us, yeah. So let's get started. I know that we have a lot of things that are happening right now in the county. And we talked about maybe going over a little bit of long-term planning in the community in the form of our comprehensive plan, Mm -hmm. land conservation, proffers, money for transit. Where would you like to begin? Well, let's talk a little bit about the comp plan because that is something that we'll be starting up. And we've actually already begun the process. Uh, There was a survey conducted of our citizens Mm -hmm. at a very good response rate. I think about 3,000 surveys were sent out and we got about a 50%, uh, maybe 40% response rate for, to that survey, right. which is really uh, very impressive. It mm-hmm. was done by mail, and people had a lot of time to sit down and fill out those uh, surveys. It provided very rich data for us mm-hmm. and reinforced some things that I sort of knew that the community felt. One of the things that the community has expressed pretty consistently over the years is their concern about the rate of growth that we're experiencing mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to lose the small town feel. They don't want to lose the rural atmosphere uh, of the upper county. Uh, they want to make sure that as we do grow, and we have grown a lot over the years, obviously, mm-hmm. that we retain the unique characteristics of James City County. Yes. So that's an important aspect of the comp plan. Uh, that survey will uh, filter into the comp plan in terms of understanding not just how the people who show up at meetings feel, but how right. the broader public feels as well. Right. Well, and something that we have definitely said time and time again with the comprehensive plan, this was not a one and done opportunity for citizen involvement. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for folks to let us know what they think. That's right. And, you know, the the frustrating thing, I'm sure, for some of the folks on staff is that um, there isn't even more uh, involvement by the community at large. You know, when you add it up, there are several hundreds of people who will show up at various public meetings all across the county to talk about uh, their vision for the future, what they would like to see, would not like to see, Mm -hmm. how they'd like the community to address the challenges that we face. Um, But I think uh, this is really a great opportunity for people who have ideas, who maybe have just had an itch that they'd like to scratch about Mm -hmm. uh, county government services, about planning, about the use of land in the community. Uh, what kind of jobs we have, what kind of housing opportunities we have, uh, to really express themselves and and see that reflected in the thinking of the county staff and then the board in terms of adopting a comprehensive plan that will guide us for the next 25 years. Right. I mean, the time to speak up is now, that Mm -hmm. is for sure. Very good. So I know that you are on the, I'm going to try to get it right, but I'm sure I'm not, 
the High Growth Coalition? Yes, it's the Virginia Coalition of High Growth Communities. I have and, most of those words. <laughs> <laughs> and and one of the hats that I do wear is as chairman of that organization. It's a group of about 20 localities across the state, uh, many of them in northern Virginia or here in uh, Tidewater, uh, and some scattered in various other places up near the Charlottesville area and the like. Uh, that are growing at a rate that's faster than the state as a whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're communities that have been pressed a lot over the years in terms of picking up the cost of that residential development that uh, uh, creates a need for new schools, right. for new police department uh, facilities, for more officers, for uh, additional library facilities, parks and rec, and all the rest. So the coalition uh, really has uh, was founded back in 1998, so it's... Uh, just about 20 years old, uh, and uh, we're getting to the point uh, where um, we're finally being able to say that we can have a a pretty profound impact on government policy. We uh, are in a constant struggle with the state in terms of their uh, reluctance to provide us with the tools necessary to manage the growth that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things the state has been slow to recognize is that uh, while Uh, economic growth may be great for the state treasury. It doesn't necessarily translate in the same way for the local community, where a new home in a community imposes a very significant cost. Right. And there's often a sense among established homeowners that uh, they don't want to have to pay for the new folks coming into the community who, from their perspective, are making the quality of life in the community a little less desirable. So I think that uh, one of the things that we've tried to do is to simply educate the state, the General Assembly, and the governor to the challenges that we face, Mm -hmm. to ask for some more authority to deal with some of these issues. But quite frankly, over the course of the last couple of decades, most of our work has been in trying to prevent the state from taking away more and more of our authority. Okay. Now, I'm going to take this opportunity, Mr. Government Professor. (laughs) Tell us a little bit again about the Dillon Rule. Why is it so important that we get this permission, what have you, from the state. Right. Well, like about half the states, we operate under what's referred to as the Dillon Rule. And that's one of uh, two options that states typically have. Uh, The alternative is home rule. And under home rule, there's usually a constitutional provision that says local governments uh, have the authority to do any of those local functions that are not specifically uh, prohibited to it by the state. Okay. Under Dillon's rule, it works the other way. The local government only has the power to do, do those things that the state government has specifically empowered us to do. Okay. I know at one point we had a county administrator that called it the mother may I rule, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a, an apt description. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, increasingly uh, the problem that we confront is that not, uh, the state on the one hand wants to limit our flexibility and freedom to, to address the issues that we think are very important and mm-hmm. that our citizens expect us to be able to act on. Uh, and on the other hand, they are imposing more and more of the cost of the mandated services that they are expecting of us. You know, James City County is one of uh, those counties that uh, is relatively affluent compared to the state mm-hmm. as a whole. And the impact of that is felt very strongly in terms of funding for education. Uh, you know, over the course of the last 10 years or so, James City County's uh, share of the local education budget has increased by more than $21 million. Wow. On the other hand, the state's funding has only increased by about $3 million. Okay. 
So you can see that uh, anything that's happened over the course of the last few decades that uh, has resulted in enhanced funding for schools mm -hmm. has come at uh, the expense of the local taxpayer, even though the state theoretically is supposed to carry a significant share of the cost of local, local education. Well, and I think that anybody that has traveled around the Commonwealth knows that there are lots of different needs, and the needs of the folks in Southwest Virginia are very different than the needs of the folks in North Virginia, North Virginia, Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia, <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that's, that's exactly the case. And, you know, we are very fortunate. We live in a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a uh, community that has been very supportive of high-quality services, our citizens love our libraries. Mm -hmm. uh, they love our park and recreation programs. They think our schools are very good. Uh, they think the facilities for schools are excellent. Right. And so when you look at all of the, that uh, kind of support in the community, uh, it's important for us to try to make sure that we spend dollars wisely, but also that we provide that quality that people are expecting. Well, and then speaking of spending dollars wisely, mm -hmm. I know that land conservation, again, with a very yes. rapidly growing community, right. land conservation is an issue. It certainly is. And, and one of the things that we uh, are looking at very closely right now is a, a restoration of funding for the Purchase of Development Rights Program. Okay. Uh, that's a program where we can say to somebody who has their uh, land in agricultural use and would like to keep it that way, mm -hmm. uh, where we think that that land is an important asset to the community, that uh, we will pay them the difference between the agricultural value of the land and the development value of the land if they will agree to keep it in agriculture. Okay. And, and is that something that other jurisdictions do, or is that specific to James City County? Other jurisdictions do it. But here in Virginia, we were really a pioneer in purchase of development rights, okay. and uh, our program serves as a model for the state. Uh, so uh, it is an area where we uh, have, uh, if you will, broken new ground mm -hmm. uh, in, in <laughs> protecting old ground. Right. Uh, uh, but it's it's been very important. And I think sometimes people don't recognize the economic value of this as well. Mm -hmm. Because when we do preserve some of this land uh, and keep it from active development, uh, what that means is that then that land doesn't have to be served with a lot of expensive uh, facilities right. uh, and services like schools and, and uh, uh, water and, and the like. Uh, and we can uh, save taxpayers a significant amount of money. Absolutely. Do you know, and I'm putting you on the spot here, mm -hmm. do you know approximately how much land has been preserved with purchase of development rights? Well, it, it is a fairly significant amount, probably a couple of thousand acres, okay. uh, but uh, I'm not going to give you a precise number, but I can get, tell you a couple of kinds of properties. Okay. If, if folks take a ride out Old Forge Road in, in the county, they will see uh, an area where we have preserved the view of agricultural life uh, very clearly. Um, one of my most significant uh, accomplishments, I think, was getting a conservation easement put on Mainland Farm. Right. Okay. Uh, the county owns that land, and now we put a conservation easement on it so that it won't be developed in the future. You know, when you think about lands that uh, have have an importance to our history uh, or environment, or just preserving agricultural land, I always find Mainland Farm to be uh, a great example of that because, you know, in contrast to so many places where you can go and visit a parking lot. Uh, and see a historical marker on the site, the battle of such and such occurred right. or uh, such and such document was signed. You know, here you can actually go to the land, see what it looked like right. three or 400 years ago, and actually imagine that you were there at that very moment. 
Now, that's why um, it was very important to me that we try to prevent the uh, construction of those 17 towers across the James River uh, for power lines when we could have run those lines under the river. Um, it just takes uh, away the opportunity for people to look at the James River and say, this is what Captain John Smith saw. Right. This is what those first enslaved African Americans saw as they arrived in this land, uh, not at their own behest, but uh, right. uh, through forced labor. And uh, yet, uh, you know, th now we have the intrusion of those power lines that are the only kinds of intrusions of that kind between Hopewell and Newport News. Now, then, speaking of those power lines, because yes. I think the last time you were on was in March. Yes. Uh -huh. Can you give us any updates on what's going on? Well, I can. Uh, in some ways, the um, U.S. Court of Appeals uh, has uh, basically said that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers illegally provided a permit for the construction of those towers and that they needed to do uh, a um, fuller environmental uh, assessment of the uh, effect of the power lines. And so that's beginning now. Okay. And citizens have the opportunity up until... I think it's the 1st of September, to comment on uh, the proposal to build those lines. Now, people say, but the lines are already up. Right. And, of course, that is a challenge. But Dominion said many times during the court hearings that occurred on this issue that if they were ultimately ordered to take the lines down, they would do it. Okay. It is also important for people to understand that when the decision was made to put those power lines across the river, uh, we were told that the cost was going to be somewhat under $200 million. turned out that it was $450 million. Wow. And uh, the par a part of that cost was the mitigation of the impact okay. of putting them over the river. So it certainly seems that there's a question there about uh, uh, whether this was the right decision to make in the, in the first place. Okay. Well, and so you said until September 1st or somewhere September in there? September 1st, people can make public comment uh, about the, the process of the environmental impact uh, study. And uh, uh, then the study will be carried out and okay. will probably take uh, you know, a fair amount of time. I would expect uh, several months. Okay. Um, so this is going to be an ongoing uh, issue for a while yet. Okay. All right. Well, and then I think the last thing that we had mentioned was transit. I know that mm -hmm. that is another one of the, or not authorities, but another one of the committees that you serve on, correct? Right. Uh, several years ago, I was asked by the Virginia Association of Counties to represent uh, that group on um, a transit service delivery advisory committee okay. for Virginia's Department of Rail and Public Transit. Those are a couple yeah, of mouthfuls th there. Aren't there's <laughs> no way I would have remembered all of that. <laughs> I got transit right, though. Right, right. The DRPT, the Department of Rail and Public Transit, uh, um, has a committee called the uh, Transit Service Delivery Advisory Committee, or as we refer to it, TISDAC. A TISDAC. Uh, <laughs> right. And I chair that uh, group as well. It's comprised of members of the Commonwealth Transportation Board, the public, a uh, number of uh, transit agencies across the state, and a representative of uh, Virginia cities and towns. Okay. Uh, and we have been working over the course of the last mm, six years, seven years now, developing formulas for the state to use to allocate state support for public transit. Okay. And the idea is to try to reward those systems that are making uh, steps to uh, provide more and more efficient service to their citizens. And uh, we've had some great successes in that. Um, the, the amount of money available for transit is never as large as we would like, simply right. because 
we are going to have to find ways of reducing congestion and reducing the kind of pollution that exists. Uh, people increasingly are interested in utilizing uh, mass transit, uh, whether it's buses or uh, light rail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in Richmond, the, they have a new bus rapid transit route that's a fixed route bus line that uh, has been phenomenally popular. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, they are just in the process of expanding that. All so right. I think when we look at, at uh, transit generally, uh, all of our projects, as we start to think about uh, any future developments that occur here or renovating roads or expanding roadways, will include uh, efforts to uh, integrate uh, transit into that. And we're hoping that we can uh, expand the service uh, through WADA uh, mm-hmm. that now serves not only uh, James City County, but Williamsburg, York County, the college, mm-hmm. uh, and Colonial Williamsburg has a role with it as well. Right, absolutely. And Surrey County. I and Surrey, say that. yeah, mm-hmm. across the bridge. That's right. And you had said the college bus system as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, very mm-hmm. good. So everybody will hopefully join some resources and be able to help. Right, and there, uh, there are now more than a million passengers a year on WADA. So That's it's, amazing. It's I didn't know quite, that. It's uh, quite a robust system. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. I see the buses all around, mm-hmm. so that's good to hear. All right. Anything else you'd like to cover before we get into the fun questions? <laughs> Not that these haven't been fun, but you know what I mean. Sure. We can go into the questions. That's okay. fine. Okay. Well, you picked a few good numbers that okay. have never been asked before, so uh-huh. I'm excited. If you could choose to do anything for a day, what would it be? Wow. If I could choose to do anything for a day. A day. And it's up to you if you want it to be work or fun or... Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, you know, I really like to, to go to, um, to, to visit cities and, uh, to spend times in, in museums, mm-hmm. especially the ones that are a little bit offbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I love, uh, a museum in the lower East side of Manhattan called the Tenement Museum. I have never gone, but it oh, is on my list. It is phenomenal. It's a great place to learn about, uh, the impact of immigration over right. the years and learn. I mean, I went uh, just before St. Patrick's Day a couple uh. of years ago and uh, did the Irish tour, okay. uh, appropriately enough. Uh, <laughs> and while my, my own immigrant family uh, is a lot more recent, my mother and father are both immigrants, but uh, the experience of the late 19th century, the mid-19th century Irish has so many parallels to the, to the experience of immigrants today. It's just wow. remarkable. Uh, so that's a great place. And then in, in Baltimore, I, I, I may have even mentioned this before, my, one of my favorite museums is the American Visionary Arts Museum. Very uh, nice. Which has the work of artists who've no, had no formal training. Okay. And have very unique perspectives on art. And uh, just, uh, it's a fascinating place. Very good. Now, is there a museum that you have not been able to go to? I know that there's lots, but oh, yeah. one in particular you know, that you'd I'd like really to go I'd really like to? to go to the African-American Museum at uh, Smithsonian and have not yet been there. Um, I was a little bit uh, distracted by the, the large uh, demand for tickets, but right. I understand it's a lot uh, more accessible now. Oh, so that's good. I'm hoping to get up there before too much longer. All right. Everybody who's good. seen it loves it. Yeah, so I've heard very, very good things. All right. If you could hire someone to help you, mm-hmm. okay? Would it be to help with cleaning, cooking, <laughs> or yard work? Uh, cooking, cleaning, or yard work. Or something else you can add. Yeah, I think organization would be or, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Organizing my piles and, and helping me to get uh, some of that under control. I Whether it's in my office at home or at work, um, I have piles okay. of paper and uh, things. 
the the remarkable thing is I can usually remember which pile to look in sure. when I need a, a document, but uh, it is an awful mess and. Uh-huh. Uh, that would probably be um, a good place to. I was t- I happened to be talking to uh, uh, former President William Mary Taylor Reveley this morning, mm-hmm. and um, he was bemoaning the fact that for the first time in fifty years he does not have a support staff. Ah, that <laughs> he's would trying be to tough. organize his papers. <laughs> so he said, "You need to get some students and get on that right away." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right, last question: What is your favorite family holiday tradition? Huh, favorite family holiday tradition. I suspect it must be around uh, Christmas. You know, I, th- I think that it is probably the uh, Christmas Eve whole experience. We start off with, with breakfast at uh, one of our favorite restaurants, Chickahominy House. And, uh-huh. and uh, then um, usually uh, break up a little bit into different uh, groups, and some of us uh, rush out and do our last minute uh, <laughs> stocking stuffer purchases and, right. and wrapping presents and um, others will be cooking or baking and and uh, everybody's just in a, in a very good mood uh, and then we just kind of go out and have dinner and uh, enjoy a nice quiet evening and uh, enjoy each other's company very nice mm-hmm. and it's hard to believe but that will be here before we oh, know it, yes, too. I know. I know. It'll, it'll appear in the stores before we finish this interview. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, as always, thank you so much for coming in and participating on the podcast. It's my pleasure, Renee. Thanks for being such a gracious hostess. Oh, please. You make it very easy. Well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will be sure to never miss an episode. Also go to our website, we're at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you're going to be able to find all of our episodes as well as a form. And on that form, you can give us feedback, let us know of other show ideas. We would love to hear from you. So once again, thank you so much, and we will talk with you next week.